be uh, with you here uh, this morning. It's my pleasure to bring you greetings from Berean Baptist Church. And uh, Now, we're in California, and y'all here in Georgia, but we're called Hickman. Go figure. Uh, Hickman, California. You didn't think there were hicks in California, but they're there. They ride at 2 o'clock in the morning through town with headlights on their head and everything. It's kind of funny. But uh, it's a pleasure to bring greetings to you. Uh, this morning, um, you all have been constantly in our prayers uh, the last several months. Um, I've had the pleasure of keeping in touch with many of you and your pastors, and I do want to take a moment this morning to encourage uh, those of you here in the midst of things that have taken place uh, that I am encouraged by your faithfulness uh, to the Lord and uh, to the pastors that He has gifted you with here And my encouragement to you is the same encouragement that Paul gave to to Timothy, and that is, steady on at Ephesus. And uh, just continue serving the Lord. And uh, as we will see this morning, uh, trusting the Lord. And as is evidenced by events not only here but around the world, but our own hearts, brethren, are deceitfully wicked and deceitful. And when we follow them, it gets us in a world of mess, doesn't it? And, uh, and so we need this this morning, which is why we've come to his, the table of His Word to feast uh, this morning. Um, I will share a little bit more with you, uh, an update uh, next Lord's Day, Lord willing, uh, with things that are going on with uh, Berean Baptist Church in California. Uh, this morning, though, I want to get straight uh, to our text. We'll be in Proverbs uh, chapter 3, uh, specifically, specifically verses 5 and 6. Uh, but I'll go ahead and read for us uh, chapter 3 in its entirety as uh, we will see that all of it applies and comes through those two verses. Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe His reproof for whom the Lord loves, He reproves even as a father corrects the son in whom He delights. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding For her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast." The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. 
Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. And when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I'll give it to you. When you have it with you, do not devise harm against your neighbor while he lives securely beside you. Do not contend with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious are an abomination to the Lord, but he is intimate with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Though he scoffs at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted. The wise will inherit honor, but fools display dishonor. Father, as we come to your word this morning, we acknowledge and recognize it for what it is. It is this living, breathing word that is sharper than any two-edged sword held in the hand of the wonderful Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray just now that you would unsheath your sword. Have your way with our hearts, carving away the worldliness and the things that would chase after our own understanding and conform us into the image of your Son through the renewing of of our minds, uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm sure all of us... uh, could agree at least on my first point this morning, and that is, we live in a fallen world. Right? Right. It's a dangerous place to live, isn't it? Uh, This world, as it's full of people who do not fear the Lord. If you have children, you know this world is a scary place to raise children. It's a difficult place to be a Christian. Parents, what are you doing to protect your children from exposure to the evil influences of the world? Perhaps you would say, oh, Pastor Robert, we've got that under control. We monitor closely what's on our television set. We only watch G movies. We don't have cables. We don't have TV. We've got it under control. Well, our, our children just don't play video games, keeping them safe. We don't allow them to listen to secular music. We even monitor so-called Christian music to protect them from any heresy. Perhaps you would say this morning, well, we homeschool. We homeschool. Our, our children are protected. They don't play with heathen children. Well, friends, the Coles homeschool too. We homeschool three children who have not yet been influenced by heathen children. And yet, the Cole kids lie, they argue, 
They disobey. They're selfish. The coal kids. They're homeschooled. How's this possible? How about as a Christian adult? What do you do to protect yourself from exposure to evil influences in the world? Perhaps uh, you say, well, I, we don't watch R-rated movies. You're selective, perhaps, about the people with whom you spend your time. No secular music. No heretical Christian music. Maybe you don't go to the mall. You may go to great lengths. And yet, brethren, you constantly find yourself thinking and acting like the rest of the unbelieving world no matter what length you have gone to to remove and protect your home from evil influences, they're still there. They exist in every home. But where? No matter where you go, there they are. Well, why is that? How is it possible? The answer, friends, is because you take them everywhere you go because you are the evil influence. How's that for positive and encouraging? (laughs) Brethren, you have a heart that the Bible says is desperately sick. Jeremiah tells us the heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That means, friends, that your children do not need the help of heathen children to sin, they're sinners. They too have hearts that are sick and deceitful. They don't have to be taught how to disobey. They don't learn selfishness. They are selfish because of their natural condition. Now I understand, and we all do, that they and we can be influenced to greater levels Of all these things, uh, by the company we keep, Paul tells us in Corinthians, bad company corrupts good morals. Obviously, we need to be selective. Uh, Solomon in Ecclesiastes gives us a lot of things to look for in how we choose our friends. We have to be selective about these things. But the problem, brethren, begins in our hearts more than our company. And yet, we put so much stock in our hearts, don't we? How many times has somebody told you, or have you told somebody, just follow your heart? Just, just follow your heart. Do what your heart tells you. What horrible advice! What kind of sick friend are you? <laughs> follow your heart? Why would you advise a friend to follow a heart that is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick? That's just cruel. Lord tells us in Matthew 15, the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts and murders and adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness and slanders. It didn't say out of Hollywood. This is out of the heart. Now that's why those things come out of Hollywood. Because they're coming from hearts that have not been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. 
But we have the same thing living inside of us. The same desperately sick and deceitful hearts. And this is what is influencing us and our children. Paul explains to us the origin of this problem in his beginning to uh, his letter to the Romans. In verse 21 and 22 of chapter 1, he says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they came futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And although this text is in the New Testament, this truth was known by the saints in the Old Testament as well. And so we read in Proverbs 28, uh, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Follow your heart? If you're going to tell somebody to follow their heart, you need to at least be consistent with Scripture and put a comma behind it and then say fool. Just follow your heart, fool. Well, we see then from the upspringings or the outspringings of our heart a progression then of futile living. Wickedness and deception comes from our corrupt hearts. It then influences our foolish thinking. And then our foolish thinking leads to ungodly behavior. As we find ourselves acting out the things that we were thinking, but what we were thinking came from our heart. And so we see this progression of futile living that all begins and deceitful and desperately sick hearts. And our ungodly behavior leads us on dangerous paths. So then, the question is, how in the world can a person live a godly life protected from such evil influences? Is there any hope when the source of the evil influence lies within our own hearts and we can't go anywhere to get away from it? Well, I say yes. There is a way to protect yourself from this evil influence. And it's what we receive this morning in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. In these verses, we will not see a progression for futile living, but we'll see a progression for godly living. And we'll consider our text in this way under these points. First, we'll look and consider God's heart. We'll then see God's understanding, God's way, And then God's promise. God's heart, God's understanding, God's way, and God's promise. Now in California, well, they told me I could preach till about 12.15 or 12.20. And uh, I haven't fixed my watch yet. And so it says 8.45. But I understand as of this last renewal conference, y'all are kind of getting used to some long preaching. So it'll be all right. Well, let's look again quickly at verses 5 and 6 of Proverbs 3, and then we'll begin looking at them closely. Verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. So first, God's heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, this first step, brethren, only makes sense when a person understands and agrees that his own heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. 
For if you don't see the problem with your own heart, then why would you receive any instruction to trust somebody else? You're not going to trust somebody else. That's that's the problem with the Gospel as it goes out so many times today that when we tell people, hey, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, plans to, to bless you and do great things for you. And the modern person in America says, check, no thanks, I'm doing all right. I don't need all that. Because they don't understand. They don't understand that the problem is their own heart. And so we have to trust somebody else uh, with our heart. Our heart, friends, is the wellspring from which the rest of our life flows. Your heart is the center of your affections. It is the hub of all that you are. It is of all that what makes you, you. Everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do comes ultimately from our heart. So then to trust in the Lord with all of our heart means to submit to the Lord in every area we would naturally trust in our own heart. If from our heart comes our thoughts, our words, and our actions, then to trust in the Lord with all your heart means to submit all of those areas to Him. That's why Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with everything that you are. And it begins with your heart. Many times we reserve certain parts of our heart because we feel more comfortable with it under our own control, and our own oversight. After all, if, if we don't allow somebody else certain aspects of our hearts... They can't break it, right? If I don't trust him, he can't disappoint me. For fear of being hurt or disappointed, we don't entrust our hearts to anyone. But friends, I'm not talking about another person. We're talking now about a sovereign God who says he has nothing but good for those who love him as He conforms us into the image of His Son and has adopted us as His own children. He said He would never leave us or forsake us. He said He is the way, the truth, and the life. And brethren, God does not lie. It's proven. He does not deceive His children. Your own heart deceives you. But God won't. Therefore, the text says to trust the Lord with all of your heart. It's safe in His hands. But He wants all of it. He says, trust the Lord with all of your heart. Believing, brethren, in God for salvation includes trusting Him with your whole heart. This is what Philip told the eunuch in Acts 8. It says, Philip opened his mouth and beginning from the Scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
Believing with all your heart means to understand the corrupt nature of your whole heart and thus trusting the righteousness of Jesus Christ with every part of your being. And realizing that every part of your being is corrupted by your sin nature. Your thoughts, your words, your actions, your dreams, you name it. And so to trust the Lord with all your heart means to trust Him with everything that springs from your heart, which is all of life. It's why Paul prays what he does for the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 when he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. But notice he didn't say, I pray that you might understand. I pray that you might get a clue. I pray that the light might click on for you. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. Because, brethren, from your heart comes all of life. And trusting in the Lord with all your heart means trusting the Lord with every aspect, every fiber of your being. We live in a day and in a world where it's tempting to trust other things like possessions and money and careers and self-help books by people who don't know up from down, uh, by financial gurus who if they had all the money they claim they're able to make for you, they wouldn't be spending their time writing a book about it. They'd be enjoying it. And we trust these things in people because they appear to fix a desire that's in our heart. But Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So for us, brethren, we need to be sure that Christ and His promises are our treasure. And then when they are, our focus will be on living for Him. And then we will be able to trust the Lord with all our heart because He will be all of our hope. So when He becomes all of our treasure, everything else will follow. And then if you are trusting the Lord with all your heart, knowing that yours is deceitful, you will progress into the next phase, which is to lean on God's understanding. Verse 5 in Proverbs 3 continues, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Then he says, and do not lean on your own understanding. Well, then what does it mean to not lean on our own understanding? Again, it begins with the understanding and acknowledgement that our hearts are deceitful above all else. And because everything comes from our hearts, our understanding is deceitful as well. We have stinking thinking. So we read in Proverbs 12, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. They understood this concept that the heart is deceitful and desperately sick. And so he just goes ahead and says, if you trust in your own heart, you're a fool. A fool trusts the counsel of his own heart his own understanding. But a wise man, he says, listens to counsel. But not just any counsel. 
A wise man will recognize who holds all wisdom and will go to him for counsel. I don't go to my dog's vet to ask about my tummy ache. He'll give me some flea medicine, and that's not going to help my tummy ache. I'm going to go to the one who knows about me. So the wise man will take counsel from the one who holds all wisdom. Trusting our own understanding, brethren, is what so often gets us into heaps of trouble, doesn't it? This was King Saul's problem. Remember, uh, Israel wanted a king. Everybody else had a king, so they told Samuel, tell the Lord we want a king. Samuel said, I, I don't think you want to do that. He said, we want a king. Samuel said, Lord told Samuel, give him Saul. So he gave him Saul. That didn't last too long. God ended up replacing Saul with David, a man after God's own heart. Saul decided to do what was best in his own eyes rather than follow the words of God given to him through Samuel. He was leaning on his own understanding. Well, I know he said to do away with everything, but surely it would be good if we kept this for a trophy and make an offering to your God, Samuel of how faithful he... It's his own understanding. So God removed him from office because he leaned on his own understanding. Paul speaks of David, uh, according to Luke's account in Acts chapter 13, and he says, After he, God, had removed him, Saul, he raised up David to be their king. Concerning him, he also testified and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. See, the difference between David and Saul is Saul leaned on his own understanding. And David understood the corruptness of his own heart and leaned on God's understanding. Now, the text says, do not lean on your own understanding. Leaning on your own understanding means that you are acting on the counsel that comes from your own thinking, which comes from a deceitful heart. It's one thing for me to say, this podium would hold me up. But by leaning on it, I'm acting on my words. And so the concept of leaning in our text, to lean on your own understanding means to entrust yourself to it and to live according to it. And you're depending on your own counsel to bring about the results you desire. But while Paul teaches us about David is that he followed after God's heart. He leaned, he acted upon God's understanding. To lean on your own understanding means that you are depending alone on your own knowledge and your own wisdom. You act on what you figure is right and best without considering what the Lord has to say. Well, so then, if we are not to lean on our own understanding, where do we go to receive understanding that is not our own? 
Well, again, this is what we find in the majority of the context of the rest of Proverbs chapter 3 is where we are to go to get this understanding he's talking about in verse 5. Notice in verses 1 through 3, he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. In verse 7, he says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. In verse 19, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Leaning, brethren, on God's understanding means to go to His Word and trust His wisdom above your own. And then act on it. Even and especially when it doesn't make sense and when it's difficult. Many times we go to God's Word because we don't want to lean on our understanding. We find ourselves at our wit's end. And so we go to the Word and we say, Lord, just tell me what to do in this situation. And we go to the Word and we read it. But then we don't follow it. Why? Because we don't understand it. Because we don't understand it. Lord, give me understanding because I don't have any. Okay, well, I don't understand it. So I'll just go back to my own understanding. That's how foolish our hearts are. Our hearts are so foolish that we go to the One who knows who has all wisdom, whose thoughts and ways are higher than ours, who created everything, who said to Job when Job finally questioned him, Job, where were you when I created the earth? When was the last time you, Job, commanded mourning? When was the last time you told the seas they could come this far? When was the last time you, Job, spun the earth on its axis? But that's me, Job, that did all of those things. So we go to the one who holds all wisdom, but then we don't understand his counsel, so we don't take it. Foolish. Our very reasoning is corrupted by and with sin. And so then we must remember that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness in his word. His Word has the power to expose for us the faulty thinking of our deceitful hearts. You ever want to know, is my heart being deceitful right now? Can I trust what's going on? How do I know if this is my deceitful heart telling me? Hebrews tells us the answer to that. He says, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of joint and marrow, of soul and spirit, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He's given us a tool. Do you want to know if it's your heart that's tricking you? Do you want to know if you're trusting your own understanding? He says, trust the Word. It was written by the Holy Spirit. He uses it. It's living and active. And it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you're feeling something in your heart being led to do something, what to do in a particular situation, if you should forgive, you should go over there, over here, trust what they're saying. 
able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust the Word that's living and active. David trusted the Lord with all his heart and knew not to lean on his own understanding. It's why he says in Psalm 119, verses 101 to 105, he says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. So then we must go to God for understanding. And then our actions must follow as we follow God's way. So we've seen God's heart, uh, God's understanding, and now we'll see God's way in the first half of verse 6. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Now this means that we are operating not on our own behalf, but on behalf of Him who saved us from ourselves. Have you ever considered that? The whole point of your salvation to begin with is that God was saving you from yourself. Why would you then go back to trusting yourself when He had to save you from yourself? It means that in everything we think, say, or do, we surrender our own understanding and we abide by the understanding gained from God's Word. Paul speaks of it this way in Romans 12. He starts it out by saying, Therefore I urge you, brethren, in view of the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be renewed. Right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, for through the grace given me to say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Paul is telling us to acknowledge him in all our ways, to follow God's understanding in all our ways. And he says it will happen as we are transformed by the renewing of our minds as we look to his word rather than depend on our own understanding. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? By getting rid of your own understanding and replacing it with God's understanding. And as we follow through with what we receive from his word, we prove and find that his will is good and acceptable and perfect. And so God says, see what happens when you do it my way? I'm perfect. I'm good. And then notice Paul adds to this exhortation, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Brethren, Paul understood the deceitful condition of his own heart. He understood that the heart of man is desperately sick and deceitful above all else. That's why he says... And I say to each one of you, as I'm telling you to be transformed by the renewing of your, of your mind, to not be conformed. You already look like this world, so you have to be changed now from the inside out. That happens through the renewing of your mind. Don't lean on your own understanding. And brethren, he says, I understand the importance and why I have to be telling you this, and so I better just go ahead and tack on. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Because your heart is desperately sick and deceitful 
above all else. Paul understood this. That's why he said these words. And then the faith God has given us is the faith to lean on His understanding and not our own. And according to the faith He has given us, we follow Him by faith. Notice in Proverbs in our text, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Again, brethren, everything we do is attached to our hearts. So our text tells us to acknowledge Him in all our ways and not to trust or follow our own hearts or understanding concerning anything. We tend to try to prioritize our lives. And then when asked how our lives are ordered, we are ready to say, God, family, country. God, family, country. Barbecue. And then we actually try to live that way. We think that by giving something to God, whether it be some time or money, that we've put Him first and then we can just go on to the other areas of our life apart from God. As if He's an item to check off on a to-do list. We must rather rethink our priorities, brethren. Our text this morning would have us say, not God first before all things, but He would have us say, God first in all things. In all your ways. Not before all... Notice He doesn't say before all your ways acknowledge Him. Don't give God a nod and then go on living the rest of your life under your own understanding. But He said... In all of your ways. Not God first before, but God first in everything. God first in your family. God first in your work, in your church, in your country. God first in everything. With everything that comes our way, we ask ourselves this question. What is God's way and what is my way? How can I glorify God in this situation rather than glorifying myself? How can I demonstrate in this situation that I trust and lean on God's understanding above my own? It means that we discard the question we hear so often, what is your heart telling you? Friends, your heart is deceitful above all else. Don't ask what is your heart telling you. Ask what does God's Word tell you? Jerry Bridges said in one of his books that, you know, we receive a lot of counsel sometimes from counselors that tell us we need to spend more time listening and less time talking. See, Bridges turns that around for us and he says, well, actually the opposite is true. When it comes to ourselves, we need to do more time talking and less time listening. Because when we're listening, we're listening to our hearts that are deceitful above else and desperately sick. So we don't listen to our hearts, brethren. We have to instruct our hearts. And we have to talk to our hearts and shape our hearts and inform our consciences. And how do we do that? We talk the Word of God to our hearts instead of listening to them. We must constantly remind ourselves that our hearts are tricky. They cause us to be pulled toward things that aren't good for us. 
While it is good and necessary to stay clear of things that would draw our focus from the Lord, we must remember, brethren, that we have an evil influence that is always with us. It's in us and in our children. So then let us consider the progression so far as we acknowledge the condition of our own heart. We begin by trusting the Lord with all our heart. Uh, That will lead to leaning on His understanding and not our own. And that understanding will lead to living according to His way and not our own. Which takes us to our final point this morning, and that is God's promise. In verse uh, 6b, the second half of verse 6, it says, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Trusting the Lord with all your heart, leaning on His understanding and acknowledging Him in all your ways leads to straight paths. But what in the world does that mean? I don't know and I'm out of time. So you'll have to figure that one out. Notice He does not say He will make in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths simple. It's not what He says. He says, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. The straightest path, brethren, is not always the easiest. In fact, it often is not. But although it's not the easiest, it is always the clearest path to your destination. Straight is always clearer. For if the path is not straight, you could lose your way, forgetting how many turns you have made along the way and which direction you turned. But when we live our lives according to God's Word, while it will not be easy, the destination is always in front of us. It's always right there. We don't have to remember where we went off. Listen again to the words of Psalm 119. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Notice he's directly correlating God's words with the straightness of his path. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Making our path straight means that he is showing it to us. It means he's disclosing it to us. We don't have to look around to see where to go next. He keeps it right in front of us as we look to His Word. And so it says, His Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Notice it says, a lamp to our feet and light to our path, not a beacon to our future. But a light to our feet. To to what's right in front of us. He says, acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will make your path straight. Just focus on that next step. And don't lean on your own understanding for it. But go to His Word. Because before you know it, if not, you have to start thinking back, well, we'll see. I kept, that was my idea the last time, but that really came from the last time I needed to make a decision on my own, and I didn't want to get counsel on that. But before that, I was kind of doing that. And, and well, man, where did I go wrong? Where did I get off the path? Part of Him making our path straight too, brethren, means that He disciplines us when we get off course. 
Notice verses 11 through 13 in Proverbs 3. He says, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Discipline is directly related to God making our path straight. He uses His discipline to bring us back onto the path. So don't reject it. Embrace it. And thank Him for it. Just like my kids thank me up and down when I give them a spanking. They don't do that. But they ought to. And I'm going to give them a message, a recording of this message too. God's wisdom and understanding is sometimes and often received through His gracious discipline. Well, Proverbs 3, mercy, goes on to speak of God's wisdom and understanding personified. That means that it speaks of wisdom and understanding as if it were a person to know. Um, I won't read it, but as you go, if you look on your own time in verses 13 uh, through 26, he talks about how blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. And then he says, her prophet. And he talks about this intimate relationship that we ought to have with wisdom and understanding, how we should not let them far from us, but be close and intimate with them. And he's speaking of God's wisdom and God's understanding and how they should be our best friend. And so we must cling to those things. Friends, there is great blessing in following the Lord. And as long as you are following the Lord, there is no need to fear. It's the other message that the Lord gives us this morning in this passage. If you are trusting in your own knowledge, in your own understanding, there is reason to fear, for your heart is deceitful above all else. But when you're leaning on the Lord's understanding, and acknowledging Him in all your ways, it says that you can put your head down at night and rest easy. It said your sleep will be sweet. You have nothing to fear. He'll make your path straight. He'll lead you beside still waters. After all, brethren, He's leading you directly to Himself. No matter what your circumstance and in every part of your day, Each day, the Lord is directing you and bringing you closer to Himself. And that's going to come. He promised it would come with trials and persecutions. But above all these things, He said to focus on Him. He's working all things together for the good of those who love Him. Not that that check's going to come in the mail tomorrow. But right after that, in Romans 8, he says, For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The good that God is working out in all things is that he's conforming you into the image of his Son. What better thing could he do for you? But shape, and what is the image of his Son? What is the image of the Son that he's shaping you into? Well, it's an image that sounds like Jesus saying, I only do what I see my Father doing. What I hear my Father saying, that's what I say. I'm doing this not according to my own will, but according to my Father's will. Father, if it be all possible, please remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. You see, 
the good that's worked out in every situation is that it, in every situation, no matter how difficult it is, as we learn to depend on our Heavenly Father, we are being conformed into the image of the Son because that is the image of the Son. Dependence on the Father. And that's the good that God is working out in everything for you. And so you don't have to fear because He's doing great things with you and through you and in you. And you have Him to look forward to at the end of this long journey. So don't trust in yourself. Don't follow your own heart. Don't live according to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. If you are not following Him this morning because you do not know Him, let me encourage you to consider Him this morning. This world that you live in is passing away. And everything associated with this world will come to a devastating end. But if you will see that your heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick, and if you will believe that Jesus, in Jesus, with all of your heart and trust Him for the forgiveness of your sin, He will grant you forgiveness. He says if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You'll be saved from your sinful condition and you will have Him to follow. The promises contained in His book will pertain to you and you will find peace and life eternal. And child of God, although we have been redeemed, we remain in fallen bodies with hearts that cannot be trusted. It's why Paul tells us to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. It's because your flesh will lead you astray because it's connected to your heart. But brethren, you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit who convicts you and reminds you of your need day in and day out to trust Him with all of your heart. Don't fall into the trap of leaning on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all your ways, for He has and will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You again for Your Word that You've been so gracious to condescend to such creatures as us to explain Yourself to us and reveal Yourself to us through Your Word. Now, Father, by Your grace, may we be so bold and courageous to take hold of it and to drink it in and to eat it and to be sustained by it and to trust it and to live by it. Holy Spirit, continue Your work in us in conforming us into the image your son and we're so grateful that you said that he who began that good work in us will be faithful to complete it till the day of christ jesus do that beginning now use your word may it sink into the deepest recess of our hearts conforming us into the image of your son we pray in the name of our risen savior christ jesus amen